0: MailChimp presents. Ever heard of a customer? You know, it's when marketers group all their
1: customers, regardless of their different behaviors, into one big mess. But with MailChimp, you can use real-time behavior data to personalize emails for every customer, based on their browsing and buying behavior, turning your customers into customers. Intuit Mailchimp, the number one email marketing and automations brand. Based on competitor brands, publicly available data on worldwide numbers of customers in 2021 and 2022. Availability of features and functionality vary by plan, which are subject to change.
0: I felt comfortable because at that point, Robin and I were good friends. You know, our kids were friends. The kids would have play dates. So we trusted each other with our children. And how can you not trust that person that you trust with your child to also be a good business partner?
1: Anshah Danielson is an academic who studies energy and the environment. And in 1999, back when she was a researcher at Harvard, she had a great idea. They had these car-sharing companies in Europe, and she thought, what if we brought car-sharing to America? But before she could go on to found the company, Zipcar, she needed a co-founder to make it happen. And that ended up being more complicated than she expected. I'm Ann Friedman, and this is Going Through It, a show about how hard it can be to figure out when to quit and when to keep going. On this episode, what happens when your business is working out? But your business partnership isn't.
0: There was one moment that decided whether Zipcar would happen or not. I was working at Harvard for the Harvard uh, University Committee on the Environment. We had this meeting, and it was sort of a work obligation that I would be at that reception. We had these tall tables, and the lights were sort of flickering, and probably we all had a drink. And there was a a fairly famous, wealthy uh, female Bostonian at the meeting. Maybe she stood there by herself, and I thought, well, someone should join her. And so I did. I ended up standing at the table with Teresa Heinz from the Heinz Ketchup Company, So I told her about the idea of starting a car-sharing company. And uh, I had thought it through pretty well already at that point. I was just not sure of myself. So I ended by saying, I've worked this all out, but I'm not sure I can do this because I'm an academic and not a business person.
1: Why, before you'd met this powerful woman at this event, why hadn't you just gone ahead and done it on your own?
0: I'm a nerd. I'm a scientist. (laughs) I was standing in the lab most of my time, you know, Uh uh, doing chemistry. And the reason why I had come up with this idea of doing something about climate change is I had my first child a few years before that. So at that time, he was about six. And when he was born, I was like... I really want to make a difference that goes beyond my generation, that does something for his generation as well. And is that how you pitch the whole car-sharing idea to
1: Teresa Hines?
0: Well, first of all... I had based all my thinking on the car sharing companies that already existed in Europe, and most of them were really low tech. I mean, you have to imagine at that time in Europe, they were putting boxes on trees and people had to get the car key out of that box and so forth. So I did not want to go that way. And um, the Internet had been around, so all these things came together at this point of time where we decided to make a Zipcar an internet-based company. Which,
1: I have to say, is pretty forward-thinking for the late 90s. And so what did she say to that?
0: This is the craziest thing. She just looks at me and she says, well, that sounds good. Go for it. And she said it in such <laughs> a way that I I was almost sort of stumbling backwards, you know, like her saying, go for it. In, in such a sort of trusting way, you know, like, like, yeah, you can do this. So I walked away from this meeting going, yeah, she said, go for it. And the very next day, I went to a bar with my friends. And that was basically when I said, this is going to happen. It was like, I could all of a sudden think very clearly about what steps I needed to put in place. And one of the things that I had to put in place is I had to get some expertise in that would complement my own skills. And that was definitely, I decided, the business side. So that's when I asked my co-founder, Robin Chase, if she wanted to be part of this um, because she had a business degree. Okay, so
1: tell me how you met Robin or how that relationship began.
0: (laughs) So Robin and I were basically we're friends. Our children went to school together. And uh, we would pick them up from school and sit in the playground while they would play after school. And Robin and I would sit at the side of the sandbox and talk about things. And Robin had told me that she had gone to the Sloan School at MIT, and she was a housewife at the time, but she was looking for something that she could apply herself to this is interesting about Cambridge. You sit in the playground and you talk about really interesting things like politics and and research and and psychology and, and starting a company. Mm-hmm. And um and then after this meeting with Teresa Hines, I that the next time we sat in the playground, I said, "Well, here's an idea. <laughs> what do you think uh, and, of this?" <laughs> and were you convinced that
1: Robin was going to be a great partner for you?
0: Yeah, so I I um I sort of described Robin and what her qualifications were and so forth. And amongst sort of my circle of friends, we were coming to the conclusion that Robin would be a good first candidate. And I felt comfortable because at that point, Robin and I were good friends. You know, our kids were friends. The kids would have play dates. So we trusted each other with our children. And how can you not trust that person that you trust with your child to also be a good business partner. Which
1: seems to me like kind of a big leap, but maybe not so much if you have a personality type where you're just likely to trust people. I don't know.
0: Oh, some people think I'm naive. (laughs) My mother had the same (laughs) trait. And when I was a teenager, I, I was always saying to her, you are so naive. You're so trusting. And now I do the same thing.
1: Well, I mean, I guess finding a co-founder is always risky. And you said that Robin had gone to business school. I mean, that doesn't seem so naive to me.
0: Yeah, because I think one thing that is actually quite important when you start a company is sort of an inroad into funding. And that is much easier when you've gone to a business school that will connect you to angel investors and and so forth. So once she was on board, that part of starting the business s- seemed easier. And I'm not 100% sure if I could have pulled that part off by myself. Did she say yes right away, like there on the playground? She said, sh- she, said she had to think about it. And she <laughs> thought about it for a few days. And then she came back and said, yeah, why not? <laughs> so how was it in the beginning? Starting the business was extremely exciting. We were doing pretty well for quite a while. And I think it started to become difficult when we had to make some major decisions and we didn't agree on those major decisions. Could Could you give an example? Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> so the, the first occurrence really was um, we had to hire a chief operating officer. Someone from MIT, one of her old professors, was giving us the reference of this guy he knew. We interviewed him, and I liked him. And he was very, very competent. But he was sort of a manly man, you know? And he had worked for the Air Force before. And um, let's say he was not culturally aligned with Robin and myself. But uh, So we hired him. And after a month, Robin felt, I think she felt threatened by him. I didn't, but uh, she fired him after, I think, a month and a half. And it set us back a few weeks, and a few weeks can be very crucial. You know, really, in the beginning of a startup, anything that you do wrong could really kill your, your business. We also lost some trust from investors because they actually liked the guy, too. Did you feel resentful about the fallout from that? You know, I'm not that type of a type of a person. I ha- it's it's so funny because <laughs> I'm a super positive person, and I'm really trusting of fate and people. And um, so I've I felt a little bit of a bitter taste, but not not resentful at that time. I just it was sort of the first inkling of there's some there being something not quite right.
1: Was there a moment where you were like, oh wow, this has gotten really difficult, or this is sort of affecting? Yeah. Our ability to effectively do what we want to do.
0: Yeah, there was. So when we started off, we had 50-50 shares. So I had 50%, she had 50%. And after a year and a half, she said she wanted to have more than 50% of the shares. And I didn't see why. (laughs) Honestly, I worked just as hard as she did. She just kind of portrayed it as if she was doing more work than I was doing and... Uh, That was true, actually, because she was a paid employee, and we had made the decision that she would be our first employee while I still had a position at Harvard at that time. Uh, So she was basically an employee, and I tried to explain that to her, and it just didn't sink in with her.
1: So how did that all come to a head?
0: I remember this one day where we had been eating out. So we had gotten out of the restaurant, and in the restaurant, we already had a pretty heated discussion about uh, whether she should have more than 50% or not. But we hadn't come to an agreement, and there was really wasn't an agreement. I was not giving her any of my shares, and we were walking around the block and around the block and around the block, and she was just getting... Uh, so aggressive. And I didn't know what to say anymore other than, uh, look, you are an employee of the company. We can give you employee stock options that will bump your shares up, but I will not give you any of my shares. And so that was the moment where I knew that it wouldn't go any much further.
1: Now with hindsight, do you feel like you can see her perspective on like why why she did want the shares or why she did want to make the choices she was making for the for the company?
0: No, I, I can't. I should have offered her less than fifty percent. And in in that case, our positions and roles would have been very clear, but because I was a beginner in the entrepreneurial space and because she was my friend and I have this trusting nature, I was pretty much sort of in, in la-la-land about the power of money and the lure of power. In fact, when I think back to that moment, I just go, that was the biggest mistake I ever made. And then what happened? It was after a meeting with our advisory boards that she basically said, you know, you have to go. Whoa. <laughs> Yeah. What was
1: your gut saying in that moment?
0: Oh my gosh. I was I was going out of her office going like, What just happened? <laughs> and I sort of just came out of her office, sat in my chair, and and um one of our employees, Larry, was standing there and I just looked at him and he and I said to him, She just fired me. <laughs> What did Larry say? (laughs) Larry Larry just looked at me and said, no way. (laughs) And then I just packed up and went home. And um, I can't believe that you can, like, laugh about this moment now. Well, it's a long time ago.
1: At what point did you come to the conclusion that you were going to leave and that you weren't going to fight her on it?
0: I was probably home around 1 or 2 o'clock, and I brooded over it all afternoon, and by the evening I had worked out a plan. The difficult part was that I had actually just quit my job at Harvard, and I was supposed to start working full-time for Zipcar with a paid salary,
1: basically imminently,
0: (laughs) yeah. And I was also the breadwinner for my family. So oh my God. It, it was an existential situation for me, actually. I just had to keep it together to get it going. I could have put up a fuss and I could have made a huge deal of it. But at that point, we had had so much press and we were such a sensation that... I think the press would have just had a hoot tearing us apart and taking this these two women who thought they could start a company, and now they're getting into a catfight and so forth. I was just afraid that that would be the end of the company. And so I said, okay, and then I negotiated a deal that was pretty good, and I left. Was there anyone who
1: tried to talk you out of it? Who said, "Look, this was your idea. This is your company. Like you you shouldn't leave."
0: All of all, almost all my friends. And <laughs> and my children are still so bitter about it. <laughs>
1: What what did they say to you? What are the kinds of things that they said when you told them you were leaving uh, or considering it? Uh,
0: they, they basically said I should have sued and I should have made sure that she was kicked out. Actually, you know, she had to leave pretty soon afterwards as well because she screwed up an investment deal and the board didn't take kindly to that either.
1: If you could time travel back to maybe just after that conversation you had in the hotel lobby, With Teresa Hines, what would you tell yourself about starting a business like Zipcar, about going into business with friends or about trying to embark on a startup? What did you learn?
0: I I would say the first few months were wonderful to do this with a friend. And maybe I could have safeguarded a little more and put some ground rules in place to salvage the friendship and and so forth. I was just not very good at that. Like,
1: Well, like, what sorts of ground rules? I mean, I speak from personal interest. I have a business with some friends, and I would love your advice on what are these specific things that you wish you had done to make that a healthier working relationship.
0: Just anticipate that your relationship is going to change, that the friendship might just sort of go into the background. Make sure that... You see your friends when you are in the professional environment as professionals and colleagues and that you have some mechanism to then also do friend things with them outside that have nothing to do with the actual business. Do
1: you ever think about what would have happened if you hadn't agreed to leave? Like, what what would have happened to you and the company if you'd said, no, I'm going to dig in and stay here?
0: Oh, that would have been mayhem. I, you know, I would have taken a lawyer, she would have taken a lawyer, we would have ran up uh, lawyer bills, which would have been very <laughs> difficult because— <laughs> because I had just quit my job. (laughs) And and literally every penny we had was in the company. And um, the atmosphere in the company itself would have changed dramatically. Trying to pull something like this off in a toxic environment where the two founders sort of don't talk with each other and sue each other, that's just impossible. I think the company would have gone belly up. And what about Robin? Do you guys still talk or...? Robin and I still don't talk. (laughs) So we live in the same town and we still don't talk. So
1: So how do you feel then about, um, you know, the fact that the company continues to be a success and to be out in the world and to to grow? What do you feel when you see the Zipcar pop up in the news or when you hear about it? Like, what's the feeling that you get in your... In your heart and your chest and your stomach
0: <laughs> oh i'm so proud of it <laughs> and i don't know if you know but Zipcar was acquired by avis and so the other day i was in texas doing some work at texas a&m and i flew into houston and there in the houston airport in the rental car area there is this big zip car sign and I, <laughs> I just want to go around and tell everyone Me, me, I'm pointing towards myself right now. (laughs) This 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 is this was me.
1: (laughs) Anja Danielson still lives in Cambridge, Massachusetts, where she is the director of education at MIT's Energy Initiative. And she continues to work alongside friends. Though after her experience with Zipcar, she has created strict boundaries for herself.
0: You know, in the workplace we're colleagues when we're out of the workplace with friends. Going Through It is an original
1: series from MailChimp, and I'm your host, Ann Friedman. And my personal Teresa Heinzes are Eleanor Kagan, Megan Tan, Gabrielle Lewis, and Claire Tai. This episode was edited by Joel Lovell. It was scored and mixed by Hannes Brown. Thanks to the nutty Professor, Max Linsky and everyone at Pineapple Street Media. On the next episode, what happens when, to do your best work, you realize you've got to reform your industry or maybe the entire culture? When the news of my lawsuit became public, there was a wave of reporting and a wave of trolling. You know, I was selfish. I was slutty. I was stupid. I was not a hard worker. I was trying to take shortcuts. I hated free speech. You know, there were all of these things that were so not me. Former Reddit CEO Ellen Pau tells me about her choice, to keep going through it in the tech industry or to save herself and walk away.